We turn our attention this morning to Jesus' words in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, where Jesus tells us, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. These are God's words. Dear brothers and sisters, members of Christ's kingdom, so, what should we talk about? Well, you might be thinking, I believe Pastor mentioned that you're the director of evangelism for the Wells, so we thought you'd talk about, you know, evangelism. Great idea. Let's talk about evangelism. The proclamation of the good news about Jesus Christ to the people here in Mummy, Ohio. So, who's going to do this evangelism? Who's going to tell people here about Jesus? Because it's not going to be me. I don't live here, and in fact, this afternoon I'll be heading back to Wisconsin. But you live here, and work here, and go to school here. And you know that there are people here who don't know what you know. Who don't know about their Savior from sin, their hope of eternal life. And you are going to make sure that they do hear about him. How does that make you feel? little anxious, a little nervous, maybe a little frightened, if that's how you feel about it, then I think you're in the majority. In my interaction with many Christians, that's precisely how they feel when they think about evangelism and telling people about Jesus. What I'd like to do this morning is try to alleviate perhaps some of that anxiety and fear by encouraging you to do three simple things to introduce Jesus to the people here who don't yet know him. The first thing I want to encourage you to do is to love the unchurched people God has brought into your life. Love them, whether it's your neighbor or your friend or your coworker, schoolmate. Love them the way Jesus loves people. Listen to this description that Matthew gives us in his gospel, this description of Jesus. Matthew says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. It's my favorite Greek word, splanknizomai. Isn't that a great word? It's onomatopoetic. It, it, it means what it sounds like. It means your stomach is churning with emotion. You know how it is. Maybe you stayed up a little later than you really wanted to, and you're flipping through channels, and on comes one of those commercials asking for donations to help abused animals. And they've got the picture of that dog shivering and shaking, and it's emaciated, big, sad eyes looking at you while the, the sad music plays in the background. And you find your stomach churning and a lump rises in your throat? That's splunknizomai. That's compassion. And that is how Jesus felt when he looked at the people of his day who were so misled and misinformed about who God is and who they are and what their relationship with him was like. How do you feel? When you look around and see the unchurched and ungodly people in your community and in your life, 
Do you find yourself getting angry that this world is so evil and going to hell in a handbasket? Do you sometimes find yourself feeling a little arrogant that you're so much closer to God than many of those people? Or do you not feel anything at all? Are you so busy going about your daily life and getting the things that you want that you don't even give them a thought? Aren't you glad that's not how God felt? When he looked out and saw you and me, when we by nature were so lost in sin and separated from him and would have spent our eternity without him, when he saw us, he wasn't simply angry. He wasn't arrogant. He certainly wasn't apathetic. No, when he saw us in that condition, a lump rose in his throat and a tear came to his eye and he said, I can't leave him like this. I can't leave her like this. And so he didn't. In fact, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He not only had compassion, not only felt sorry for us, but loved us so much that he took action. Think of it, he sacrificed his only son. If you had ten sons, you wouldn't sacrifice one of them for people like us. And he sacrificed his only son. Jesus, who had complete compassion, who perfectly loved every moment of his life, he was treated as if he were we. Also that God could treat us as if we were he. Isn't that marvelous? And now we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. And now we can look at those unchurched people that God has brought into our life and rather than being angry about it or arrogant about it, we can love them the way he's loved us. What I mean is not just have compassion for them. Yes, have compassion for them in their condition, but then actively love them. Help where you can help them. Serve where you can serve them. So that they see your love for them. And so that when you talk to them about eternal, important things, they'll know you're doing it because you care about them. So that's the first thing I want to encourage you to do is to love those unchurched people God has brought into your life. Secondly, I want to encourage you to listen to them. Now that might come as a surprise. Because when we think of evangelism, we tend to think about talking. You know, we do want to tell people about Jesus. But might I suggest that if you are an active and good listener, you are already well-equipped to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Listen to the way the Apostle James puts it in his book. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Have you heard anything so countercultural as that? It doesn't seem like anyone's listening to anyone else these days. 
Because everyone's too busy shouting down anyone who disagrees with them. But not so with you, Jesus says. No, no, as my people, that won't be you, shouting down those who disagree. No, you, my people, are going to listen carefully to those unchurched people I have brought into your life. Because when you do, it will probably surprise them that there's actually someone listening. And they'll be pleased that you care enough about them to want to know more about them, their hurts, their challenges, their hurdles. And then, when you have opportunity to tell them about me, they'll be much more willing to listen because you've listened to them. Try it. Try striking up a conversation with someone in your life who's, who's unchurched, whether it's a friend, neighbor, coworker, the barber who cuts your hair, whoever it might be. Ask a simple question like, do you have a church home? I think you'll find they're much more willing to share than you might have expected. And don't stop there with just one question. Keep asking questions. Find out who they are, what their thoughts and fears and hopes and dreams are. I'll give you an example. Say you have a new coworker, and you're just getting to know her. And so you ask, uh, do you have a church home? Oh, no, she says, I, I haven't been church for years. Oh, why is that, you ask? Well, frankly, she says, because as far as I'm concerned, the church is nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. Oh, you ask. Um, what led you to that conclusion? Well, she says, um, I actually grew up going to church. We went every week. In fact, my father was one of the elders at our church, and as far as everyone else was concerned, he was the greatest Christian man they knew. And then every night, he would drink too much and start yelling at my mom and the kids. Sometimes if he was really angry, he'd hit her. And I said right then and there that as soon as I was out on my own, I would never step foot in a church again. And I didn't. Well, you say, that must have been hard to watch. She agrees it was. So you ask, do you miss anything about going to church? And she says, well, I always liked the music. And I liked hearing those stories about Jesus. Do you see why listening is so important when it comes to preaching the good news about Jesus? It informs you about who this person is. It, it, <clears throat> it demonstrates your true care and concern for them and equips you then to be able to address their fears and concerns, maybe their challenges even. To Christianity. So you'll be better prepared then to lead them to the gospel, which is the third thing I want to encourage you to do. First of all, love those unchurched people in your life. Secondly, listen carefully to them. And finally, lead them to the gospel. Now you might be thinking, okay, okay, okay. I think I can, I can try to love them more, more actively, and, and I'll, I'll try to be a better listener, but I mean... Leading them to the gospel. I've never been good at that. I don't know what to say. I'm not sure how to do it. 
And we could frankly spend the rest of the day talking about how to lead people to the gospel, but can I just encourage you to do one simple thing? <clears throat> just invite them to where the gospel is being proclaimed. Invite them here to worship. Invite them to pastor's Bible information class. Invite them to just chat with your pastor if they have fears and concerns and questions. You know, they've done surveys with unchurched people, and, and you'd be shocked. I think the last one I saw, something like 76% of unchurched people said they would be likely to accept an invitation to go to church. It's just that they've never been asked. Let's go back to that conversation with the person who thinks that Christians are all hypocrites. You, you, you've listened carefully to her. You, you've learned why she thinks that way. But she has said that she misses the music and she misses the stories about Jesus, and now is your chance. Now you can say, you know, why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? And I can't promise you that there aren't any hypocrites there. In fact, to be honest, all of us there are hypocrites in one way or another. I know I am. I mean, it frustrates me sometimes when I find myself doing things I know my God doesn't want me to do or, or not doing the things he wants me to do. It frustrates me, but that's why I go to church. Because I need to hear over and over again that in spite of those sins, God still loves me and that through Jesus, he's forgiven all of those sins and I'm a child of his. I need to hear that over and over again and to be honest, you need to hear it too. But you might be thinking, what if she says no to your invitation? She might. <laughs> The, the reality is you can't ever control, and I can't ever control, how someone will react to that kind of invitation. She might say no, but you will have planted a seed. And she'll think about your conversation and your invitation. And perhaps there'll be an opportunity down the road. And on the other hand, she might say, you know, that would be nice. And then she would come with you to this place. And she would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed, and through that word, the Holy Spirit would be at work, and nothing is more powerful than that. Sherry <clears throat> worked with my wife, Mary, and they became friends. Every day they talked, or I should probably say Sherry talked. My wife's a great listener. Every day, day after day, Sherry would share her hurts and hurdles in her life with my wife. And then one day, two planes crashed into the Twin Towers in New York City. Our country was under attack. People were scared. The next day, our church held a prayer service. And Mary asked Sherry if she would like to go. Sherry agreed. And she never stopped coming. Eventually, she took new member classes and became a member of our congregation. And then Sherry's daughter, Jennifer, who also worked with my wife, started attending with her two children, both of whom were baptized and all three of whom joined the congregation. And then Sherry's husband, Duke, 
who hadn't been church in many, many years, partly because he was illiterate and felt out of place, he started attending church and he became a member. And then Jennifer's new husband started attending and he became a member. And Jennifer's friend Robin started attending with her son and he was baptized and they became members. And then Sherry's son and Jennifer's brother, Brandon, he started attending. And all of this, simply because my wife, Sherry, enough to listen to her and lead her to the gospel. Do you suppose that our great God will do any less for you? We heard Jesus' marching orders earlier. Let's hear them again. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. So, are you ready? Let's go. Amen.